when you boil down to, to price points and reimbursement, and fee schedules for organization. There's a lot of different ways that you can structure those. And so we like to be the, the resource for these organizations to be able to make sure that they have clarity and that they've, they've been able to identify and, and get the best deal possible. The Medical Alley Podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. MentorMate empowers healthcare clients to deliver on their mission and transform the human experience through technology. For over 20 years, clients have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision, design innovative products, and build secure solutions while understanding the specific nuances of their industry. MentorMate's global team in the U.S., Eastern Europe, and Latin America helps clients in all sectors of healthcare transform their organizations. From Fortune 500 pharmaceutical companies and commercial payers to hospital systems, medical device manufacturers, and beyond. Learn more at mentormate.com slash healthcare. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Welcome to another episode of the Medical Alley Podcast. I so appreciate you uh, taking a little bit of time out of your day to join us. We've got a fantastic member joining us today, Brett Spark, who is the co-founder and president of Auroris, a, a pretty unique company in the Medical Alley ecosystem that's doing really important work. And, and Brett, maybe where I'll start is, could you introduce the organization and how you guys help medical practices uh, to grow and to be more successful? Yeah, yeah. So um, Aurora, Aurora started as an organization that is a support system to medical practices in regards to their payer-provider relationships. So we provide resources to medical practices and to some health systems to go back and forth between the payers that they have contracts with help negotiate reimbursement rates, help um, categorize, clarify, give them insights into their medical contracts or into their payer contracts with different uh, payers out in the region. And we've grown into a national brand. We support practices on every side of the United States and everywhere in between and, and every different type of specialty. And then in the last year, we've moved into the SaaS world. We developed a, a platform that is in the same breath um, supporting medical practices with their payer-provider relationships, but it's meant to be um, a platform that organizations can use to get clarity and get insights into what's behind those those complex arrangements between health systems, medical practices, and the payers that that, that they are accepting. Oh, that that's very interesting. That, that seems to be a, a big trend of SaaS software coming into healthcare and helping to modernize and improve some of the processes we've had. Can we back up then for a moment and talk about why is it that a, a practice or a health system might need this kind of help? And then could you talk about this idea of the SaaS software and the, the idea of like digital contract life cycle management, I think you all call it. Yeah. So I, I think the first, to answer your first question, it's it's really the complexity in the environment that I, I don't think is new to anybody that is in the healthcare field, but specifically around uh, payer provider relationships, it's a complex environment because there isn't one form, there isn't one way that these are not only negotiated, but how they're structured on the front uh -huh. end. 
you know, different payers have different ways that they contract with medical providers or or groups or health systems. And that complexity, when you look at a medical practice, when they have 15 to 20 different payer contracts, oh yeah, it's an extremely challenging environment to try and, number one, understand. But once they've understood where they stand with their, their payer arrangements, to actually go out and work with the payers if there's an adjustment that's needed or if there's a, a change in how you have the arrangement structured, it's a really time and resource intensive process to do that. And so we we wanted to develop an organization where we would build our resources specifically around that. So I, I like to say that we're not a consulting firm in the true traditional sense right. that we don't have a number of different lines that we help. We have one specific category that we work with. We work with medical practice specific to the payer arrangements that they have. The, the back end of the revenue cycle arena and denials and and AR and, and all of that's a really important part of the cycle. Um, it's just not something that our organization focuses on. There's a lot of really good organizations right. out there that, that do that. We well, and I have to imagine if you guys help them build the right contracts, negotiate the right agreements up front, you probably reduce some of those other challenges as a result. Right. Yep. And and that's really what what we market for our organization. We're the front end of the relationship to make sure that the contract language is structured appropriately, to make sure that the rates are negotiated with as much information and background as possible. Um, because there is a lot of different ways. When you when you boil down to to price points and reimbursement and fee schedules for organization, there's a lot of different ways that you can structure those. And so we like to be the the resource for these organizations to be able to make sure that they have clarity and that they've they've been able to identify and, and get the best deal possible. Yeah. And so then where does the the SaaS platform and this digital contract lifecycle management come into it? Yeah. So when we started the organization, we we were internally we had to house and, and manage a lot of different information, oh, a I lot bet. of different data points. <laughs> And we were struggling with finding a software that was going to be right for our organization internally. And through the course of a uh, a year in business, we decided that we weren't going to be able to find or be able to manipulate a, a software system that was out there that would be able to house when we have clients across the United States, when we have hundreds of different payer agreements, hundreds and thousands of different fee right. schedules. We, didn't, we couldn't find a software platform that was going to be able to house them, but also allow us to manipulate and dig into the data like, like we wanted to do. And so at that point, we identified that building our own was going to be the best point forward for an internal software platform. And then through that process, we decided that this is, this is something that we can flip and, and give to our customer basis across the United States as well. And so we started doing some research with not only our own client base, but others that we knew that were in the industry, asking how they were managing and, and really maintaining yeah. their arrangements in current state. And majority of, of what goes on in the market now is, you know, an Outlook calendar reminder that you need to reach <laughs> out to a certain payer before a certain date and or you're, you're maintaining the fee schedules in, a, in an Excel format. Thank or, God for Microsoft Office. Yeah. What would yeah. we do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and so we, you know, at that point, we figured we had a market base to be able to utilize it with our client base, but also beyond that. that we have clients oh. that will simply be on the platform that 
maintain and do their own negotiation internally, but they wanted something that could provide data, provide them with a, a leg up prior to going into a negotiation so that they clearly understood what current state was with their arrangements. Oh, very cool. I I can't tell you how many ventures I've talked to in Medical Alley where they've identified there's something that's being done on Outlook and Excel, which means room for error, room for mistakes, missed deadlines, and that by taking you know modern technology, modern database technology, they can make that process that much better. Right. And when I think about how unique this community is where we have the payers, the providers, and the technology firms in such great numbers and neighbors, the ability of someone like you and your team to have that internal problem but then also recognize, oh, this could be a challenge for others, bring that tool out and help make their work better. Now, the impact is so much bigger. I mean, it's all of those things adding up that I think really are going to drive transformation of healthcare. But in that, something we hear a lot is that there's oftentimes a a tense or contentious relationship between the payers and providers. And Mm -hmm. I think anytime there's negotiations over money, that comes up. What are you guys seeing in the marketplace and what do you do to maybe try to take that temperature down a bit or, you know, get to a better place for all the parties involved? Yeah, I I think that's definitely the case. And and when you're negotiating based on dollars and cents, it's easy to have the conversation go there. And I think, you know, historically, it's been challenging for a lot of these practices when they're doing it internally because it is so complex. Mm -hmm. They don't fully understand how you're getting to a certain number um, and and kind of the history behind it. So our organization is is meant to be a partner not only for the practice, but it's meant to be a resource with the payers as well so that we can educate the payers on the value add to their membership Mm -hmm. of a specific practice. We have so many you know, in private equity, large health systems, there's been a significant buying market for private practices right. for many years now. And I think our organization has has tried to help educate some of the payers that there is value in keeping private practices private in a lot of different categories from quality to cost of care and, and on down the line. And so what we try and provide is is just as much education as we can that this specific provider, this practice, this organization we're working with, here's the quality metrics that add value to the membership that's coming to see mm. this specific physician or, or group. And and so we try and be that in-between middleman that in the long run tries to bring the temperature down. And it's less specific about the price point, mm-hmm. more around what is market for what that certain procedure or certain yeah. specialty is. And then how do we find a common middle ground that these patients can still see this provider, its value to the members, but then also the, the payer has a better understanding of what they're giving in reimbursement for certain things. Oh, I, I love that. And I, I have to think, does that also help the provider then to identify areas they're strong in, areas they could improve in and, and have an honest conversation about how they invest their resources? Yep. And I, I think you know, prior to a partnership with our organization, because of the the complexities and the time and resource commitment to some of these negotiations, groups will go in and just ask for a specific, I want a two, three, four percent raise. And there was less um, diligent work around maybe 
95% of, of their fee schedule or their reimbursements is in a good position. Mm-hmm. There's just one one area that, that hasn't been looked at or that, that's been adjusted yeah. by CMS or by some level of reimbursement that we need to look at with this arrangement too. And so it can be valuable to providers that we're not looking for, for blanket increases. We're taking a more direct approach on, on where are we off base and looking only in those categories um, and, yeah. and trying to bring them up to where they should be. I mean, when I when I hear you describe that, it, it makes me think in all the talk of value-based care yeah. and the, you know, the simple equation of cost over outcomes, part of that is going from blanket, hey, everything's the same, to being able to be targeted and nuanced and evidence-based. And you guys are providing one more tool to make that transition or just make the conversation more productive and easier. So I, I got to ask and backing up a bit, what's your background? Like this is a pretty complex area. I got to think you've been involved in things like this for a bit. How, how did you end up doing this kind of work? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine how you get to some of these places when right. uh, I started my career um, I, locally with a large health system in town, um, Health Partners, which is a fantastic yeah. organization. Um, I did an internship with them right out of college and and was hired shortly after that and spent um, just about 15 years with, with them overall and a, a wonderful organization. Mm-hmm. I, I was on the care delivery side of the organization, so nothing with the health plan side, but um, really enjoyed my time. And, um, you know, before I left, I was working mainly in the specialty care side of their organization. Uh-huh. Um, but that gave me a foundation to really the healthcare field in, in general from from the mm-hmm. care delivery side. You got a good understanding of patient flow and and how it connects with the physician groups and really the business side of healthcare in a large large setting organization like that. Um, and then moved I moved to the private practice setting after that. Took over um, several different private practice organizations at a CEO administrator level, mm-hmm. um, and then started to do some consulting work. and And really, at that point, figured that that was probably my my future plan. That you know, there's <laughs> such a need for for leadership and and consulting work in the private practice space. Felt like I could um, move around and and really have a lot of opportunity there. And um, in, in doing so and really looking at what those next steps could be, that's really where I, I took a deep dive into what do I, what am I doing with these practices when I first come in the door? And, and it was the same answer every time. Mm. The, the first area I'm looking at is their payer relationships and their provider relationships. I'm looking at what is the reimbursement? What are the fee schedules? Yeah. Are there opportunities there? And that's really where Aurorus was formed um, with my my partner around the fact that this could be a scalable model across the United States. We could look at different markets. We could get a lot of data. We could better understand both from a regional payer market to a national payer market on really what's happening across the board. And and that's something that was going to be challenging to do on a boots-on-the-ground consulting firm. So we we built the organization out of that model, that Mm -hmm. if we could focus our attention in one key category – which is the the reimbursement side of things that we could become really organized, efficient, and and provide the highest level of scale across the healthcare industry. Yeah, I, I love hearing that. There there are so many entrepreneurs where they they've come with that domain expertise, they've identified a 
a particular area of healthcare, which healthcare is so big, even small things are big things. Mm-hmm. And instead of it being every health system or every payer has to reinvent the wheel, you and the Aurora's team are bringing a better way of doing this at scale. Mm-hmm. And that, I believe, should make healthcare more productive, more efficient at scale repeat that hundreds of times across hundreds of entrepreneurs. And I think that's how we get to a better healthcare system. And I couldn't be happier to have you guys here doing that and see so much stuff like this happening in this community. Yep. You know, in the SaaS platform, right, IT is something we often hear that healthcare is behind the curve, slow to adapt, all kinds of criticisms. I, I have some opinions on that, but I'd be curious, you guys are out there working on this, working with companies on adoption, what's your take as far as is healthcare catching up? Is it still behind the curve? Where are we at as far as using the tools and power of IT to improve productivity in healthcare? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's hard to give one answer across the board. Of course. I yeah. think, you know, you have to look at it in, in different categories. I think there's specific areas of healthcare where IT has come a long way over the last mm-hmm. decade, a um, couple decades, and um, there's really exciting things going on. Yeah. I think there's other areas, and, and specifically, you know, in ours, what, what we're doing around contracting and, and payer and provider relationships you know, when we looked at, we had several large health systems that we had this conversation with on, you know, eight, nine, ten billion dollar organizations. Wow. And how are you managing the complexities of, of this relationship with the payers? And it was the same answer with a lot of them that, mm-hmm. you know, it's on Excel and it's on paper and it's on yeah. Dropbox. And, and there just isn't the the understanding and, and data components that help drive some of these conversations in our area. So I think if you're looking at healthcare in general, there's certain segments that definitely have fallen behind the curve um, over over a significant period of time. And I think there's other areas around, you know, definitely in the last, since since COVID began around telemedicine, where we've kind of been forced into a new category of, of yeah. IT improvement. And, you know, in, in sometimes in healthcare, we need that, that kick just to get moving. Yeah, and, I mean, it, the pandemic, right, was a forcing function in so yeah. many things. And that, that I have to imagine had a big effect. What was it like, doing this work, getting going even, you know, during that time. Yeah. And, you know, there were, there was so many unanswered questions on what was going to happen specific to telemedicine, specific to reimbursement or surgical procedures when, when the ORs were shut down, you know, what was really going to happen during that period that it it was challenging for organizations to know how they were going to get back to pre-COVID numbers. right? And, but then I think there is value in, in the telemedicine realm specifically where we were toying with so much in the telemedicine area, but we were behind the curve, mm-hmm. specifically on the government side of things, that we were behind the curve and really identifying that this could be value add to our patient population. And we helped drive some of those conversations with some of the payers during that period of time uh. to say, you know, this is not only a necessity right now, but this is also allowing us to utilize some of the the technology that's yeah. been out there and the value that can be provided to to patients to to not only make it easier for care in long term, hopefully lowering the cost of care in, in these categories. And and 
we want it to be a helpful driver in, in those through that time period. Oh, that that is so important, right? We have heard from so many companies, from the payers, from providers, from the technology providers, that a big fear was as the emergency orders came back and we sort of returned to normalcy, that we might retrench, lose the reimbursement, lose the waivers, and move away from these things. I've heard from a few groups, and you're one more, that there have been efforts to say, you know, we learned some good things about this. We should continue them. And it sounds like payers have been receptive to saying, yeah, we now have good evidence that these are value adds, so we should keep them. We should have them as a normal part of our work and not as an exception that they almost were pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... I think that's true. And I think we did learn a lot through that period that's going to carry over into yeah. the future. Um, but I think it's not without needing to continue the conversation with a lot of the payers right on. that um, we are you know, coming to the end of, of some of the emergency acts that were enacted during that period. But we can continue down this trend. It, it won't happen without conversation. It yeah. won't happen with a, a true dialogue back and forth between your payer partners that you have if you're a mm-hmm. practice owner. And I think we need to keep, you know, in line with those because if you can show value, you know, back to not just asking for blanket increases mm-hmm. across the board because that's a number that you pulled and, and it's good. It's more case studies and, and actual data that can help support trends in healthcare is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're able to provide that and and have those open conversations with the peers that we're going to continue to improve the the ability to get care in in a lot of different areas. Um, but also, you know, lower the overall costs long term. Right on. I mean and that that is a premise we fully endorse. You know, Medical Alley is an organization only one in the country where the payers, the providers, and the technology firms are equal members. And it's for exactly that reason. There's so many places where they all interact, but there's not always the deep understanding of the challenges each side is facing. You know, the work you guys are doing to help bridge that gap in a better way, I think contributes to that positive transformation of healthcare. You mentioned the future just a moment ago. I'm curious, what's the future for Aurorus? Where are you guys going next? Or mm-hmm. how do you think about 23, 24 and beyond? Yeah, I think, you know, we have our two pillars of our business, the negotiation side of the business and the the contract management or our platform that, that really houses that. We we will continue to to add clientele from the negotiation side and, and add value across the United States there. Um, but from the platform side of things or the management side, we're really planning for for a 10x growth in mm. 23 for for the platform side and anticipate that will really be a, a driver for us into the relationship aspect with future clients through there. Um, because there is a clientele that can use the platform and negotiate on their own. Um, but there's also going to be a huge clientele that's out there that can use the platform and and ask for help afterwards if they need that. And so yeah. I think ultimately we'll make this transition from being a, a company that does negotiations that then introduces our platform mm. to an organization that has a platform and introduces our negotiation support on the back end of that. So. Oh, that is great to hear. Uh, well, thank you. Like 
good luck on the 10 acts in 23. I think you guys will do it and then some, and we need it. But I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to join us on the podcast today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And folks, that's been another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure you check out medicalalleypodcast.org. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. And hey, would you do me just a small favor? Would you share this podcast with just one more person? If all the listeners did that, we'd help spread the word of this story and so many other important stories out of the Medical Alley community much further. I'd really appreciate it. And with that, until next time, I hope you have a great day.